Hello, my name is Ryan Jump, and I am welcoming you to podcast number 10 in this series of Jump On Movies, where we review movies either by myself or with a friend and try to see what lessons we can learn from the movies that are out there and uh, today we are reviewing a movie called Just Like Heaven. And Just Like Heaven is a 2005 American romantic comedy fantasy film directed by Mark Waters, starring Reese Witherspoon, Mark Ruffalo, and Jane Heder. It is based on the 1999 French novel, If Only It Were True. By Mark Levy. Steven Spielberg obtained the rights to produce the film from the book. The film was released in the United States and Canada on September 16, 2005. It made $102.8 million at the box office on a budget of around $50 million. And on a personal note, this is one of two romantic comedy movies that my future wife, Libby, really wanted me to watch while we were dating. The other one was a walk to remember. And here I am, like nine or ten years later, reviewing it. This should be fun. So the movie starts with the Just Like Heaven song, originally sung by a band called The Cure. And we see the main woman in our story who is daydreaming in a garden. And her name is Elizabeth and is played by Kyle Reese. Oops, I mean, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Sorry, folks. No Terminators or soldiers from the future in this movie. That movie review is coming eventually. Anyways, Elizabeth is, is a doctor at a hospital. And we see this montage of scenes of Elizabeth performing tons of tasks at the hospital, usually saving the day. And one night she gets a call from her sister telling her that she has a blind date set up for her and she better not cancel. Later, Elizabeth gets told by one of the head doctors that she got the promotion as attending physician. After Elizabeth calls her sister to tell her that she is coming home, she does the big no-no that you're not supposed to do while you are driving. Take, taking your eyes off the road to mess with turning up the radio. She presumably hits head first, hits head first into a truck as the screen fades away. This place is heaven, says a realtor or apartment person who is trying to find a place for Mark Ruffalo's character named David. After not liking a few places, the movie magic fate happens, or whatever, where an ad from an outside bulletin board flies off in the wind and lands onto David, not once, not twice, but three times before he finally looks at the ad. And then it's like he is on a one-man mission to find this apartment. When he gets there, he likes the couch. So this is a winner. I mean, I usually don't pick the couch as being the deciding matter or factor on whether I want to live in a certain apartment or not. 
But David has spoken, so we will roll with it. So, what does David do on the couch? Want to guess? He drinks beer. Lots and lots of beer. And one night, while going to the fridge to get some, want to guess, beer, he walks into Elizabeth. And do you want to guess what happens? They both scream as Dave sprays beer everywhere. Elizabeth thinks Dave is a robber and homeless, but Dave informs her that he lives in the, in the apartment. And then Elizabeth disappears. After a scene, we see Dave drinking a bunch of different times in his apartment. Finally, Elizabeth appears. She proves to him that this used to be her apartment, but when she reaches for the phone to call the police to kick Dave out, she sees her hand go through the phone. She then walks away and disappears again. The next morning, Dave goes to a bookstore dealing with mysticism and runs into our good old friend, John Heder. You know, Napoleon Dynamite, vote for Pedro. Only this time he plays the bookstore owner. Dave asks him, hey, do you believe in any of this stuff? And the bookstore owner says, well, you don't until you do. Alrighty then. Uh, the bookstore owner gives Dave some books on how to communicate with Elizabeth. When Dave gets home, he gets Elizabeth to appear, but she is rude and refuses to leave. So he tries different ways to try to get her spirit out of the apartment, like having the local Ghostbusters branch to take Elizabeth away. Then, I'm just going to call him Napoleon Dynamite, comes over and eventually tells Dave that Elizabeth is not really dead, but still alive, and also that Elizabeth should stop being rude to David. Elizabeth finds David and tries to comfort him with some words, but he says he needs to get a drink at the bar. However, Elizabeth thwarts him by a quite hilarious scene where she walks into him and forces him to dump his drink. Dave then agrees to help Elizabeth find out who she is and why only he can see her. They eventually stop at a restaurant that was named Moose's, after my father-in-law, no doubt. His nickname is Moose, by the way. Shout out to Mike Decker. Decker. Love you, Dad. If I can only pronounce your name correctly. <laughs> Mike Decker. And an accident happens right before they are about to leave. A collision between waiters that prevents one of them from breathing after impact. And Elizabeth knows what medical procedure in a jiffy can be done to save this person's life. So she guides Dave to save this waiter's life. Dave and Elizabeth then go to St. Matthew's Hospital, where Elizabeth used to work. When Elizabeth sees her body, she sees that she is hooked up to the breathing machine and in a coma. After Dave leaves, Elizabeth overhears another doctor telling her sister, Abby, that she should sign some papers to stop prolonging Elizabeth's life. Abby's sister says that people have woken, woken up from comas before, but the doctor dismisses that notion. Dave is home now, alone, and he actually makes breakfast for dinner and eats at the table instead of on the couch. And he uses a coaster on the table. So we see Elizabeth having a good effect on Dave. Later, when Elizabeth and Dave are on the roof, Dave explains how his wife had died 
and how she had a cerebral hemorrhage and there was nothing he could do to help and no way he had any chance of saying goodbye because she died so suddenly. A couple scenes later, after Dave gets a call from his realtor guide that they're going to take Elizabeth off the ventilator, Dave and Elizabeth rush over to Abby's. After learning that Abby is going to respect his her sister's wishes and take her off the ventilator, desperate Dave takes drastic measures. He tells her that Elizabeth is with them in the room and that he doesn't know how or why, but he can see Elizabeth's spirit. Abby tells the kids it's basically Wiggly Safari time. Oh boy, that sounds like so much fun. But then we see Abby reaching for a large knife and swearing to chop David up. David then tells Abby that he knows about how she made out with her ex five minutes before Abby's wedding. She then chases David out of the house. And when Abby checks on her kids, they ask her if Auntie Elizabeth going to have more tea so the kids could see her. Wow. But um, Abby couldn't. When Elizabeth and Dave are back together, Elizabeth asks Dave this question. How do you solve a problem that isn't possible in the first place? And then the answer is, or that is given is, because nothing seems impossible to me anymore. So Dave and Elizabeth are looking at a picture Dave took from her hospital of where Abby and Elizabeth are burning Elizabeth's MCAT scores because she did so poorly. But they are so happy together in the picture. Afterwards, Elizabeth just wants to spend her last night lying next to Dave in bed. The next morning, Dave said that it was Elizabeth who had brought him back because he was dead and now he is alive. Now it's his turn to save her and he is going to do it by stealing her body. How is he going to do this? Well, you're going to need a van and somebody with no morals. Enter. Now, desperate times call for desperate measures. In comes Dave's therapist buddy friend. And this therapist friend is asking, why are they doing this? And Dave responds, well, there's a one-day sale on hospital beds. I always wanted one. <laughs> when they get in a hospital closet to get some supplies, his therapist friend is asking, what the heck is going on? Dave tells him, but the buddy wants to take Dave to the psych ward because, of course, you know why. This sounds totally crazy. Um, but Dave says he is ready to risk it all because he loves Elizabeth. Dave and Elizabeth thank the therapist friend, but the friend says that he is not doing it for them. But instead, someday, trust me, I'm going to need help moving a body. When they get into Elizabeth's room, the therapist friend says that Elizabeth was the girl that he set up with for that blind date. That, you know, the blind date that Elizabeth didn't get to because she was in that car accident with the truck. Oh, and big reveal. Jack, the therapist, so the therapist friend of Dave, is JJ, Abby's ex-boyfriend. The one that she made out with before Abby's, five minutes before Abby's wedding. But um, this, this doctor that wanted... Um, 
Abby to sign the papers is there as well. And the situation is getting sticky. So Dave punches the doctor. A security gets called and they try to make a break for it. But JJ has to tackle a guard. But in the process, he removes the breathing apparatus accidentally in doing so. And Dave is surrounded. He senses Elizabeth fading away, so he tries to resuscitate by breathing air into her lungs until a guard tackles him. But Elizabeth stops flatlining, and everyone is shocked as she wakes up. David tries to see if Elizabeth recognizes him, but she doesn't, and he walks away. And since this is Hollywood, um, he doesn't get charged with any crimes of attempting to steal a body and impersonate a doctor. We see Elizabeth then hanging out with her nieces and Dave peering into the restaurant and Elizabeth near Napoleon Dynamite's bookstore where Napoleon gives her the thumbs up sign like he recognizes her. Um, he recognizes the spirit or the aura of Elizabeth. We see Elizabeth then at her old apartment, and she, notice, uh, she notices the spot left by a glass with no coaster that Dave put in. Then she goes up to the roof and sees this beautiful garden that guess who put in? Dave goes to leave because he doesn't want to scare her, wishing her goodbye. She asks for the key that he used to get in back, and their hands touch, and she remembers everything about Dave and everything they went through together while she was in the coma. And they kiss. And on all the sentimental side of me got me a little this time. And although I didn't shed a tear at this time, at that moment, I did choke up a little bit. And there is the end of the movie. They play the song Just Like Kevin again by a different um, rendition. Um, but that's the movie. So, um, so one of my wife's uh, favorites, one of my favorites actually um because of the importance that my wife uh, tried to give it when we were dating and things like that and i just got a few things uh themes or quotes i wanted to talk about um and i'll do that just in a second so first quote um takes place where Elizabeth and Dave are looking at the picture where at, um, Elizabeth has just failed her MCATs and she is burning her test scores. And she's just, you know, having a good time. And Elizabeth says, it's just funny because the one time I completely failed at something, I had more fun than I'd ever had in my life. So I would say that it's okay if you have a goal and don't accomplish it, at least not right away. It's not the end of the world either. You need to try, try again, um, even if you think it should be. Um, maybe best remedy for being depressed after falling short of one's goals is maybe to be with friends and have a good time. Um, don't let it stop you from you know your goals. But you know what? It's better to be with friends than alone, uh, depressed at home. Um, and then another thing, another thing that this kind of movie talks about is, um, as you can see, 
uh, Mark Ruffalo's character, he uh, drinks a lot of alcohol um, to um, deal with the pain, a loss of his wife's, well, you know, his wife's death. And I would say that alcoholism rarely solves one's problems. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the drink here and there, but um, therapy or talking things out is a better remedy than the drink, just the drink itself. Um, we don't really see Dave really getting better until he decides to really uh, stop the heavy drinking. Okay, another thing. Third thing is that Elizabeth is talking about how she used to like work, work, work. And, you know, what was the point of it all? So she asked herself, but what was I doing with, with the rest of my time after working in things? When I think about my life and all I can remember is working and for what? And Dave tries to counter with saying, you help people, you save lives, being a doctor and things. But even though Elizabeth acknowledges that, even doctors need to not work themselves to death. Uh, if you have a one doctor that's doing 65 hours a week and another doctor that's doing 35 hours a week, maybe that's not um, realistic. I don't know. Um, but it would be good that, you know, doctors are so overworked as it is, but I think doctors need a life outside of work as well. Um, you know, so you need to have a life outside of work. You need to find a balance or that will drive you crazy. Um, so any, in any kind of, kind of high stress job as doctors, you know, nurses, very high, high stress job, you need to find a way to just, you know, have a whole day off or something to yourself for just do something really relaxing, you know, take time for yourself, you know, have some you time and things. Um, so I would say that um, also be good thing is that if you're working a lot of hours, try to find some time to actually do things with friends outside of work. See, Elizabeth didn't really take time outside of work to um, culture friendships, really. I mean, she had her sister, Abby, and her nieces, but that was it. And she really didn't see them much after until... Uh, you know, it was too late. Now, when she um, got out of the hospital, you know, she got revived. She started spending more time with them, of course. But, and I think she probably learned from all this that she needs to do more of that, to be more with family. And, you know, now she has this relationship with David now. So we don't get to see what happens after their kiss once she remembers everything. But it's probably pretty safe to believe that she is going to not be such a workaholic, which is good. Um, so I would say that don't try to miss out on all those social opportunities or time with one's family. Um, just don't take it all for granted. And the last thing I want to talk about is um, we see how Dave has been woken up by Elizabeth, how he's changed. So you can call it cliche because it's been seen in many movies before or written in many books before, but one would be surprised how many times a man is willing to change his whole life around for the woman he loves. It is just good to see Dave make the changes he needs to make. And also he is not the only person who has changed. 
Elizabeth has changed as well. Maybe not as notable ways as they, but the changes are still there. And seeing those changes will bring a smile to anyone's face, face who is even just a little bit romantic. Well, that's all I got um, for this movie. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, this is podcast number 10. Um, the next podcast will be on episode two of the Star Wars saga. I'll have my friend uh, Andrew from work joining us for that. Um, I'll try to get it out in three weeks time. We'll see. I'll, that's what I'll shoot for. If you get it down sooner, you know, great, but it's probably going to be three weeks, but um, anyways, thanks for your patience and waiting for this one. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed giving it, recording it for you and continue to be safe, um, and, uh, treat people with kindness and, um, help, help other people when they need help. Um, and even if they don't ask for help, offer help. So, um, we live in these crazy, terrible times, uh, rough times, you know, stressful times. So, um, Anyways, have a great day, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.